Uh, D. Smith, welcome in. It is the latest edition of the Unnamed Soccer Podcast. The Unnamed Soccer Podcast is brought to you by Three Punk Ales. They are in Chula Vista. It is also brought to you by Sport Clips, where it is good to be a guy. I went to Sport Clips a week and a half ago now, 10 days ago now. Always love my experience at Sport Clips. Darren, a pleasure to see you once again. Um, happy whatever day it is. I, I, I can't keep up with days. The calendar does no longer, it no longer exists for me, but, uh, it is good to see you. Yes. Thank you. It is good to be seen. Uh, it is good to be here. It is good to have another couple of rounds of champions league to talk about. And then tonight, Jordan, we get to switch some gears here and we get to talk about the U S men's national team, which sort of feels like we are talking about champions league since you can't get through a champions league afternoon without seeing a young American player playing. As we're recording on a Wednesday night on the uh, 4th of November, we got to see Serginho Dest play earlier. We've gotten to see not Christian Pulisic, but we did see Chelsea play. All in all, I believe there are nine U.S. players who are playing in Champions League, which, hey, uh, from where I sit, uh, I don't know that this is, has ever happened before with the U.S. men's national team. So we should probably ask somebody who would know about this, who is an expert and an insider on the U.S. men's national team. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you mentioned Christian Pulisic. Doug McIntyre had a story on Christian Pulisic. We actually got some pretty good news um, on Pulisic's injury. We have a lot to talk about here with Doug McIntyre. He is an American soccer reporter and U.S. men's national team insider with Yahoo Sports. Uh, we are very grateful for him to spend some time with us tonight on the podcast. Doug, thank you so much. It is a, uh, it's good to see you as well. It's good to see you guys. It's a pleasure to, to be with you, and thanks for having me on. Yeah, well, um, so the, the, the two matches that are coming up here, November 12th against Wales, November 16th, uh, that's going to be against Panama. That one in Austria. It feels like it's just been forever for me. Like I, I can't even remember the last time I actually watched the U.S. men's national team on the field. I looked up the dates. I know the dates. I know it's February 1st. They won 1-0. And then like back in November, apparently, they played again. Yeah. But I'm telling you, it feels <laughs> like it's been a really, really long time. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, that that February game was was with a a almost exclusively domestic based squad. So, you know, the big guns, Christian Pulisic, Weston McKennies, Tyler Adams, none of those guys um, played in played in in that game. And of course, there was supposed to be uh, a couple games in March against Wales and the Netherlands, and, and everyone was excited to see Giovanni Reina make his debut. He would have got called in, and those games got canceled because of COVID. So the Wales game has been a long time coming, um, as, as you mentioned. And, yeah, it's, it's exciting to, to see this group of guys get together, um, given all the, the success we've seen them have with their clubs lately. I do have to say, I mean, the one thing that, you know, as much as we're all excited to see this team together, um, you know, I'll, I'll believe it when we see it. There's, a, there, there's still a, a little bit of time, a little too much time, I think, between now and when those games actually happen. We're seeing – European countries locked down the UK, Italy. So fingers crossed that the games go ahead guys. Cause I know, uh, I know we're all excited to see this team together and I know us fans are as well. Well, Doug, uh, I mean, let me just jump right to a point that has been made here and, you know, we are all somewhat prisoners of the moment, right. But, you know, to label this collection of talent that hopefully we get a chance to see against Wales uh, and then obviously against Panama, just in terms of sheer talent, you would be the expert in this. You know, it's easy for us to go, this is the greatest thing we've ever seen. Players from Barcelona yeah. and Dortmund and Juventus, right? And Chelsea, et cetera. We can go on. 
Uh, I mean, just like how historically significant is you know this crop of, of pure talent on the European yeah. side? It's a great question. And I, I think, you know, U, U.S. fans are a little fatalistic sometimes. I mean, they were there, that way even before the qualifying disaster um, just over three years ago now where, where the U.S. didn't qualify for the world. There, there's been U.S. players at big clubs before, um, but there's never been this many young players at big clubs that are playing important roles. I mean, that's the two things you look at. You look at the ages of some of these guys. Giovanni Reina, 17 years old. He made a second consecutive Champions League start for Dortmund today. Um, you know, you, you talked about Serginho Des playing with Barcelona. I mean, it's surreal to watch that game, and he's doing an overlapping run with Lionel Messi and – and, uh, you know, Weston McKenney celebrating goals with Ronaldo at Juventus. Um, so it is unprecedented. And, I, and it's okay, U.S. fans, it's okay to be excited about this group. Um, but, you know, it, and, and talent-wise, the talent is, is, is there for everyone to see. I mean, these guys can really play. This is an exciting generation. Um, but let's not get ahead of ourselves also. I think it's important to, to give that caveat. And, you know, a couple guys get injured. We, we saw, you know, Christian Pulisic didn't play today, as you mentioned. Um, and, and then, you know, you look at the rest of the squad, there, there is a drop off, um, you know, after the big five or six players that we mentioned, Chris Rich is another guy. I think she gets some love breaking in with Bayern Munich. We know how good that team is. Um, but you know, when you go down the roster, then especially this roster, that's going to play these, uh, we hope, uh, nonetheless players on the squad, the MLS playoffs, uh, kicking off right after that international window. So, um, because of quarantine rules, the U S soccer decided not to call any MLS players in. Um, but it's an exciting group. The question, the real test is how they perform together with the national team. So, you know, we remember the great national teams of the past 2002, some very good performances in World Cups, 2010, 2014, the U.S. gets out of the group both times. Um, not too many teams around the world does something ahead of ourselves, but, you know, all the, on paper, all the, the, the things are there, the touch points, the data points and, you know, th this is going to be a special team when they get together and they get some reps together under their belt, you know, this year and particularly next year when it's an absolutely jam-packed schedule, we hope, uh, you know, given the, the situation uh, with the pandemic. Yeah, I'm excited to see the team together, but I'm also, it's, you should temper your excitement a little bit. It's a team that hasn't played together, what, once in the last full 365 days. What, what's the goal in these next two matches? What is Greg Berhalter, now that he finally has this collection together, it's, he hasn't had this opportunity in quite some time. Uh, what is he looking to accomplish in the next two matches? A, a bunch of things. And it's a good question. First of all, to get these guys together, just, I mean, it sounds simple, but it's, you know, it, it's not, I mean, the, even before the pandemic, you look at last year, I think Pulisic and Weston McKinney, Tyler Adams have only ever been on the field together once uh, for a game in early 2019. So you go back almost two years um, that these guys, you know, haven't, haven't had the chance to play together and hopefully Christian Pulisic is healthy didn't play today. He's got the hamstring issue. Um, the initial prognosis for him was a couple weeks out. So he's in a race to be available for these games. So, um, you know, obviously Berhalter, Greg Berhalter, the U.S. coach, wants to see his full team and see how those guys combine and, and, and mesh together. But there's also a lot of young guys on this roster um, that are spread around Europe. And it's pretty interesting because some guys that have been with the national team uh, in the past, guys like Aaron, Aaron Johansson, Julian Green, guys with World Cup experience that are still in their 20s and have been performing well for the European clubs. Aaron Johansson tearing up the Swedish league, um, scored a, a bunch of goals there. Julian Green, very, very good um, in the German second division. He's got his team 
um, position for for promotion as of now, obviously very on very early in the season. Those guys weren't called in. Um, so Berhalter really wants to see a bunch of young young players that are that are just breaking through in Europe. There's a few dual nationals that have some options when it comes to you know the national team that they want to choose. So it's a little bit of a, a trip, I think, for Berhalter to get some of these guys in to see what the 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 team is like, the chemistry in the team. And I think the thought is that. You know, if you can get these guys in, they're going to they're going to enjoy being around a lot of other young players that are already, as we mentioned, breaking through with some of the biggest clubs in Europe. And uh, the U.S. team is always punched above its because of the team atmosphere, uh, the team chemistry. And we saw what happened when that wasn't there in, in, during the 2018 World Cup cycle. Uh, and it cost them a place in a World Cup. So, you know, building that that chemistry on the field, but also off the field is going to be really important uh, in this camp. And yeah, I think we want to see two good games. I mean, Wales is a, is a good team and, um, and Panama, you know, will give some of these guys a taste of a, of a, a gritty CONCACAF opponent that's going to, you know, try to make life difficult defensively and frustrate players. So we'll, we'll learn an awful lot about where this player pool is over these next two games. Doug, it's interesting you bring up, you know, some of the names that we all know, you know, anybody who's listening or watching a, a podcast like this knows some of the names that, that we've already talked about, some of the Champions League type players. But there were some names here that, you know, even as, as a couple of guys who follow this, like, it was like, wait, who, who is this now? You know, whether that is Johnny Cardoso, yeah. I believe is his name, uh, you know, the player from Valencia. Yeah. I did not realize, you know, that he could have been a, a U.S. player. And I know these, these guys aren't yet cap tied. But uh, you, you know, you follow this as close as anybody. Are there players who you were surprised to see added to uh, to this roster here for Greg Berhalter? Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, there, you look at you look at some of the young guys on the on the you know that are breaking through. Someone like Conrad De La Fuente. I don't think there's any uh, you know real surprise there that you know guys like that are called in. The the one name that I think everyone is is uh, is really excited about is uh, Eunice Metza, the young kid, mm-hmm. 17 years old, uh, for Valencia, as you mentioned, over the weekend. This is a guy that um, has captained England's eight, under-18 team. He's a very interesting story. You know, was born in New York while his, his mother was uh, – he's an American-born kid. He, he uh, grew up in Italy, moved to England. Uh, you know, he, he's uh, got a very interesting um, backstory and – um, and he's a guy that's already shown a willingness to, 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 to do things out of the box a little bit. I mean, this is a guy that left England, uh, where again, he's representing their youth national teams and he went to Spain in order to play and it's worked. And you've seen other young English players do this in the past. The Jaden Sancho, obviously the guy that comes first to mind where he was with Manchester city, very hard to, for young players to get playing time in the Premier league, um, you know, move, moved uh, to a different country to get those first team reps. And this kid is doing that. And I think, again, you know, he he has to see what sort of young group the U.S. is putting together. And Greg Berhalter on the call after the roster was announced yesterday, you know, mentioned that, mentioned that when when you're playing for Barcelona or Juventus or Chelsea, everyone in the world knows you. Everyone knows that. So when that's appealing for these young is very, uh, you know, I think that's a guy, their name's on the roster. Yeah, you mentioned Cardozo, interesting guy. Born in New Jersey, grew up in Brazil. Um, you know, very strange to see a South American club on the roster. It's the first time it's happened in 24 years uh, oh. that we've seen a player called in from a, cl- a club team in South America. The last guy was Kobe Jones back before MLS started in 2005. So, uh, um, uh, sorry, in 1995. So an awful long time ago. 
Um, Sebastian Soto, an interesting, an interesting player. He's, uh, he, he's had some options as well. Chile has been on his heels trying to get him to switch. This is a guy that performed very well for the U S team at the under 20 world cup a few years back. So, um, so there's a lot of talent there, a lot of young guys and a lot of guys that they're going to get a chance to play in, in these games and we'll see how, how they do. Yuli Lana is another guy that we, we should talk about is now getting some first team minutes in Holland. He scored the winning goal in the, the only match the U S has played this year, that, that match you referenced at the top against, uh, against Costa Rica back in February. So um, a lot of, a lot of big names on the roster, Richie Ledesma, I think another young kid who's also just breaking in. He made his debut with, uh, with PSV Eindhoven in the Netherlands just, uh, just over the weekend. So um, a lot of these, a lot of these guys, us fans are going to be seeing for the first time, but um, you know, we might've heard some of the names and we're going to hear a lot more about these guys in the years to come. Well, is there any chance that we're going to see them for the first time and maybe the last time? Like, are you convinced that every one of these players here is, is, you know, they're not yet cap tied, but uh, what, how, how would you evaluate how seriously we are to take them in terms of their future with the men's national team? Yeah, it's a great case. I mean, if you look at, if you look at, at Eunice Musa, I mean, that's a guy that, you know, he certainly has options. Um, but the fact that he's accepted to come in, I think is a great sign um, because he'll come into the team again, you know, I don't know how other national teams are, but there, there, there can be a bit of a pecking order there, you know, sort of a, you know, bit standoffish for young players. Traditionally, the U S isn't like that. It's a very welcoming environment. So we'll see, uh, you know, we'll see if, if, if it's enough to, to hold on to some of these guys, but I think, you know, Burhalter's approach has been not to not, not to put pressure on these guys, let them come in and make a choice for themselves. And, it's been successful in the past. I mean, we, we talk about Serginho Dest, who, you know, again, played for Barcelona today in the Champions League. A year ago, he had the choice to, to play for the Netherlands, the country he was born and raised in and grew up in, in their system at, at Ajax. So uh, he ultimately chose the U.S. And I think part of that was because of the work that had been done over the years. He was a youth team player, those relationships that were built. You know, he, he, he could have, you know, he had a chance to play for a storied national team in the Netherlands and he chose the U.S. So, you know, if you can get these guys in, I think you're a long way to getting them to commit full time. So I'm sure that's what the staff is thinking. Doug, there's so much. It feels very new. Like everything feels very new. New wave of players. Uh, yeah. It's very young, uh, potentially adding even more players who you're talking about right now. If if the U.S. men's national team is able to secure a, a couple of these guys that we're talking about, I feel like it's going to take guys like Christian Pulisic and uh, Serginho Dest and some of these other young guys to really like show and convince them that there is a bright future here with the U.S. There is opportunity with with everything being so new that that kind of provides an opportunity for new leadership to kind of step up of this young core. Um, maybe it's the tad top heavy. Um, yeah. who, who's the leader? Like who is, is, is it isn't just obviously Christian Pulisic, is it? Like there's there's a lot of options here. Absolutely. And there are a few veteran guys on the roster. It's, it's such a young roster. I mean, the average age is under 22 years old, which is just astounding, you know, at the international level. But, you, you know, there are guys like John Brooks, um, you know, World Cup veteran who's an older guy, defender. You'd think he's, in, you know, being looked at as, as a leader. Tim Ream, who's captained the U.S. I think he captained the U.S. more than anyone uh, last year um, in, in 2019. So, those guys as well. But yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny. You look at Christian Pulisic, he's such a great player. And I think he's emerging as a, as a leader. I think, you know, just being around him as a, as a really young guy, as a teenager, 17 year old, he was shy. He, he, um, you know, he as as good as he was on the field, he was very much a kid often. And I, even in the last couple of years, you've seen 
him mature as a player on the field, but especially off it in terms of his, you know, comfort in his own skin and, you know, in terms of doing media, things like that. And then you have other guys that are, I just think are natural leaders in Weston McKinney and Tyler Adams in particular. I mean, Tyler Adams is, is always, I mean, I covered him as an 18 year old and he was, it was very, very obvious that he was uh, mature beyond his years even then. Um, so I think those two, you know, the position they play in the midfield, you know, we saw Michael Bradley for so long with that, that captain's armband, a guy that was in the, you know, heart and soul player in the middle of the field and Tyler Adams and Weston McKenney are right in that mold. And, and obviously at a club level have already, already, you know, surpassed some of the things that a, a veteran like Bradley has, has done in terms of the, the sorts of teams and the sorts of competitions they're playing in. So, you know, that experience having played in the champions league, you know, Tyler Adams playing in a semifinal last year, like he, he's got to feel like he's a, he can be a leader on this team, even though these guys are young, they're only 21, 21 years old, 22 years old in that range. So, uh, you know, it's, um, it's the leadership will come from across the, the board, but these guys are up for the challenge. I really believe they are. One name uh, you mentioned, Julian Green and uh, Aaron Johansson, one name that, that, and maybe I've missed something, an injury, uh, DeAndre Yedlin. What, what's, yeah. uh, what's going on with, uh, with DeAndre Yedlin? Yeah, it's tricky. I mean, and, and Burhalter mentioned him on the call yesterday. I mean, I, I asked about guys that were playing and performing well in Europe, not getting called in. He mentioned DeAndre and, and what a big part of the team he still is. Again, a guy that's relatively young. I think he's 26, 27, has played in a World Cup. Very few guys on this squad have, have done that and have gone through qualifying. I mean, that's another thing altogether that, you know, qualifying games, it's not just about the talent you have. It's about the fight and all the other, you know, things that you deal with you know, pl- playing on the road in CONCACAF from the travel to the weather, to the field conditions, to the refereeing, everything. Um, so you know, th- there's, there's that part of it, um, you know, a- as well. But when, with DeAndre, I-, I think he'll be in the mix later on right now. He's in a situation where he's not playing for Newcastle United in the Premier League. He was hoping to get transferred during the the transfer window that, that closed a month ago. Um, and he's basically in limbo now till January, till that window, the, the transfer window opens up again. And I'm a little surprised. I mean, I thought, I thought for a guy with his experience, he would be getting a little bit more playing time, even though he's on the outs there, the way this, this, the schedule is in England at the moment, across Europe, the games are coming thick and fast. You would think after that transfer that he was hoping for didn't happen. Steve Bruce, the manager at Newcastle would throw him back into the mix. Um, he's played a couple cup games but he's not playing regularly. So if the idea was to bring in guys that you don't know and haven't had a look at um, and that are playing regularly, then you can understand Burhalter's decision. He knows what he has in Yedlin. I have no doubt that Yedlin will be in the mix uh, once he finds a, a new club in January. Uh, Doug, we got some good news with Christian Pulisic earlier today. It sounds like the hamstring injury, uh, not going to be anything too long-term. It looks like there's yeah. actually a chance he could play this weekend. Uh, I'm a Chelsea supporter. So I've been, I, I watch Pulisic all the time. I've been very invested in his time at Stamford Bridge. I think he's been given a great opportunity with Chelsea. Um, I think he's taken advantage of his opportunity when he's been available. Unfortunately for Pulisic, he's not always available. He gets hurt a lot. Um, How much of that, is is that a conversation around the U.S. men's national team? Is that a concern for them? Or is that just something that's happened and there's small injuries and you hope to kind of just move on from that? You know, it's a concern. It it is. And I, you know, I don't know. Greg Berhalter gets asked this all the time. And part of the reason is because we've seen, we've seen this be a recurring theme with Christian, these soft, these soft muscle injuries, soft tissue, the way he plays, I think, you know, he's such an explosive. It's going to, you know, those are the sorts of injuries that players like that get. 
Um, and Berhalter swears up and down. He's not concerned about it. He says, you know, as you know, players get older and they learn how to, how to deal with the physicality and they, they learn their bodies that hopefully those injuries stop happening. But, you know, I'm sure in, in private, they are concerned about it and they're doing everything they can and talking to Chelsea's medical staff to try to make sure that Christian's available. I mean, it's, it's no, it's no use being a great player. If you can't, if you can't get on the field and you can't stay healthy. Um, but I agree with you. I, I agree with you completely that, um, and, and actually one thing you said, actually, uh, Jordan was that, that Christian had been, you know, given this opportunity, I would argue that he took that, he took his chance. And I know I'm, you know, we're splitting hairs here a little bit, but he, he earned everything he got last season. I mean, he, he really did like the, he, he got a couple starts early on. He was okay, played well, but didn't produce goals and assists and found himself on the bench and he fought his way back in. And when he got his chance, he took it. And we all remember that, that hat trick he scored with the left foot, right foot header against Burnley. And, and after that, I think, there was a, a, a level of trust from Frank Lampard, Chelsea's Chelsea's manager that just didn't exist before. And, and after that, he saw what, what Pulisic could do. And then, you know, every time he got the chance after that, he, he sort of justified it, ended up getting injured. And in a funny way, the, the, the shutdown for the, the pandemic, the Prem, Premier League off three months helped him because we saw how great he was when he came back. So, you know, th- I think that's the hope that, 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 you know, obviously Christian can get back to that level, but it's uh, no, it, the challenge is on him to stay healthy to do that. Yeah, I, when they returned, sorry, Dan, when they returned to the Prem, he was one of the best players in the Prem completely. And one of the things Pulisic has changed to kind of try to put himself in a situation mm-hmm. to not pick up these injuries, um, especially playing in the Prem, is he's trying to bulk up. He's trying to get bigger. He's trying to get stronger. Um, yeah. Is there anything else he can do to try to, I mean, obviously you don't want to deal with these nagging injuries your entire career. Um, what else can you possibly do? Is there a remedy to this? It's tricky with the schedule. I mean, I, what, what I thought was interesting was, you know, during, and not a lot of people know this actually, during the, the three months that the Premier League was off, Christian Pulisic came back to the United States and I'm sure he went and saw his family in Pennsylvania and saw his friends and all that, but he went to Florida and he trained and he trained and he worked, he worked on, you know, skills. He looked bigger and stronger, just the eye test. When you saw him come back, he, he looked like he'd he, he, he was more muscular than he, he had been. He, that was always the thought when you saw him at Dortmund, when he first came in, like what a slight kid he is. Like he's a skinny kid. Um, and you saw him start to finally fill out a bit. And I, and I don't think it was an accident. So he's going to keep doing that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, I, I don't know when this guy's going to get a break to be able to do that again. I mean, again, in a, in a very, in a funny way, we all wish that, you know, that, that, that this, this pandemic hadn't happened, but from a soccer point of view, it did help Christian Pulisic to just have three months where he could, he could work on getting himself healthy. And, and again, like with, with the way the games are going and the international schedule, I mean, next year is just, an, it's just going to be insane for the U S team with a number of different competitions. You're going to have, um, you know, you're going to have CONCACAF nations league gold cup. There's the Olympics, potentially world cup qualifying starting, you know, for, for uh for for these guys and and you know they're gonna have to use two or three different teams to be able to play in all those those games there's just no way that you know these players that the top has to be in that number of competitions it's impossible so that's a challenge for all players but certainly for a guy coming back from injury like christian Pulisic, it's uh it's it's an added an added difficulty well doug i I could uh carry this conversation on all night but we'll respect your time here i'll just ask one final question here because you know i have questions on the goalkeepers on the mls players but i I just want to talk sort of big picture about the enthusiasm 
right now, because one of the things Jordan and I have talked about is, you know, you're playing for Frank Lampard and you're playing for Barca and you're playing in you know, Italy next to Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, you know, at least in recent memory here, the interest in the U.S. men's national team is kind of low, even yeah. though we're, we're here talking about it. You know, like they've sort of struggled to, uh, you know, to put people in the seats when that was still allowed. Uh, and hopefully again yeah. in the future that changes. But what's the sense you get um, just in terms of you know, enthusiasm for Greg Berhalter from some of these players who are playing at this level and enthusiasm for, uh, for playing for the U.S. men's national team, given you know, where these guys are in their careers? Yeah, it's, it's, a, great, it's a great question, Darren. There, there's a lot of enthusiasm. And I think in the, you know, the fan base, obviously, after that, that failure to qualify for the World Cup, I mean, unimaginable for you know, a, fans of a certain age who have watched this team compete in World consecutive world cups and just took it for granted and thought there are, you know, every four years, the U S team is going to be on that stage. Um, and you know, there, there's questions about how competitive the team is. I think everyone wants the U S team to be able to play along, you know, with the, with the top nations in the world, we're still a ways away from that. It was such a dark time after they didn't qualify. And, you know, it, you look at the success of the women's team and it sort of contrasted with how bad the men had been and it not you know necessarily a fair comparison, but that was the perception among, you know, your casual, you know, sports fans in the U S and, you know, I don't know how much those folks follow, you know, the, the champions league or following these young guys coming through. Um, but I think they're starting to notice that there's, that there's, you know, there's real excitement, real momentum building um, around these young players that are, you know, have a lot to prove. Like we talked about earlier, they're desperate to get to the world cup. These guys, they want to be the group that, puts that failure that we saw three years ago, right. And gets the U S back to the world stage. There's a lot of excitement in this group and I, they, they get along. Well, they know they have an opportunity here to do something special together. They're all right around the same age. These, these, these young guys coming up um, and they know that they're going to be a big part of this team for a very long time to come. And, you know, things will happen. Guys will get injured. You know, there, there's always, uh, there's always bumps in the road, but, um, it, it feels like it's a good environment. Now that'll get tested when the games start and, you know, you lose a world cup qualifier. That's when you find out what, what you have, what you're made of. Um, but there's, there's every reason to be optimistic for, for this team right now. If you're in inside the team, if you're a player on this team, and if you're a fan of the U S team, um, you know, it's, it's fun to watch these guys and, and we're only just seeing the beginning of this thing. I mean, uh, guys like Gio Reyna, Christian Pulisic, Weston McKenney, Tyler Adams, these guys are going to be around for the next, you know, dozen or so years. So just sit back and enjoy the ride. And, and do you have any questions about Greg Berhalter's ability to manage these guys? Because this is a different level than the Columbus yeah. crew. Absolutely. There's no question. I mean, Greg has good experience uh, around the world as a player, has coached in Europe. So I think he does see the big picture and he, and he knows you know, some of the challenges he's going to face. He said something interesting on the call yesterday about, you know, using the youth of this team to sort of play a high pressing style. And I, my ears perked up when he said that, because we've seen him try some things in the past, playing the ball out of the back, maybe not necessarily, you know, playing to the U S you know, strength. Uh, we saw, you know, a bad loss against Mexico when it, when that experiment was, uh, was used and uh, it, it shows some flexibility, but sure there, I mean, look, judged by results you know Berhalter in a funny way this year because there was no games like you know there's not there wasn't a lot of pressure on him you know like again you, you lose a qualifier and all of a sudden things can go from everything is great to the sky is falling overnight and it's how it's how you know teams and coaches respond to that 
the one, you know, the one thing I would say is that, you know, and it's a good way to end this conversation because we talked about the last time the full team was together being last November. Well, if you remember the game before that, that blowout win against, uh, against Cuba two games before I should say uh, in October of last year, the U S went up to Canada and lost a meaningful game for the first time in almost 40 years against the Canadians program. That's getting better, but, but still, I mean, the U S uh, it was a historic loss and, and there was real pressure on Greg Berhalter after that loss. And they, they played Canada the next game in, in the return leg in Florida and, and they beat the wheels off them. So that I thought was a good sign that, that, you know, Berhalter was able to get that group together to respond and, and, uh, and, and come back. But, yeah, there will be questions, of course, about about his ability um, if, if the U.S. team doesn't well. But from everything I've seen, he's he's a good communicator. The players seem to like him. There seems to be buy-in from this group. There's a plan. There's direction. Those are things that we haven't always seen. Um, you know, Greg's a younger coach. He's the modern coach in the Frank Lampard mold. And, and you know, we've seen, you know, Julian Nagelsmann is, you know, even younger than Berhalter is uh, uh, Tyler Adams coach with – RB Leipzig. So it's a, it's a trend we're seeing around the world, but the, you know, the proof is in the pudding and it's going to be the results that, uh, that determine, you know, how we all judge Greg Berhalter and the job he's done with this talented young group. Yeah. Doug, I'm with you. I'm excited to see what Berhalter does, the, what, what style he throws out there. I yeah. saw that. I heard, I saw his quote a little bit earlier that there's a lot of speed on this team. So it allows yeah. them to kind of go with a high press. So maybe we see something a little bit different. I'm excited to see what he has. He has an opportunity as well with all these, these fun toys out there on the field. We look forward to seeing what he's able to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much. Really good stuff, Doug. We do appreciate it. Uh, He's an American soccer reporter with Yahoo sports, us men's national team insider and uh, really, really good stuff today on the podcast. Doug, thank you so much. Anytime guys. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Doug. Appreciate it. Bye, Doug McIntyre on Twitter. All right, Darren, there he is, Doug McIntyre uh, with Yahoo Sports, expecting some different things with the U.S. men's national team. Again, November 12th, they play Wales. November 16th uh, against Panama. That one's going to be in Austria. But uh, like he said, there's a chance that all these matches just kind of get ripped away at any moment. We'll see what happens. Hopefully they get played. Yeah, but, you know, I mean, I think the thing is, uh, I can't remember the last time I was this excited for a match to be played from the U S men's national team, you know, you sort of see some of these summer camps or winter camp games. You're like, eh, okay, well, Hey, whatever. But you know, when you see this level of talent and you get to see players play and wear the shirt for the first time, I think there are 10 players who will make their, uh, their senior team debut. That's uh, that's a pretty big deal. Senior team. You know what I mean? Uh, the, the top club debut. So, you know, that's a pretty big deal. And it's, uh, it's pretty exciting to think about uh, the level of talent that's coming here. So, you know, lots of questions from the manager to the players, how this all fits, who's going to be the goalkeeper, who's going to score goals for the club, how you're going to fit all this talent into the midfield. You know, there, there's a lot. But, you know, before going too far down those rabbit holes with us or with Doug McIntyre, you know, we'll have to uh, see the way it plays and, and see what it all looks like when it's all put together out there on the field. Yeah, I think the last time a majority of people that were when the last time they were invested into the U.S. men's national team was probably back in 20 when how many years ago that they were absolutely invested. Um, It's been a while. And the only young player really at that point was Christian Pulisic that you got excited for. Now you have a completely uh, different crop of players that you get excited for. I wasn't too harsh on Pulisic, was I? No, not at all. I thought you were good. You were fair. Uh, You know, if anything, I think sometimes, you know, you tend to treat him with kid gloves. So it was good. I really do feel like he's growing, like he's becoming a man at Chelsea. And and I think Doug even kind of like hinted at it, that even at Dortmund, like he's, 
he was, I mean, he's still a kid out there. Um, but like he's having, a, every time I see him, he's put on like another couple pounds of muscle and there's at least a couple more tattoos on his sleeve. So I feel like he's yeah. really growing up there at Chelsea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our tattoo game is way better than it was last cycle through. So I feel really, really good about that. And, you know, I, you know, I, I think that the whole operation has a lot to prove when, you know, you're not Brazil, you're not Italy, you know, which is why I also didn't take any of this Frank Lampard um and you know jesse marsh stuff too seriously because you know even though it sounds like frank lampard was somewhat misunderstood in that situation and if you're this far into this podcast you probably know what we're talking about we don't need to to reset the entire conversation but like so what like who wouldn't have some questions about american players (laughs) i mean what have we done that you couldn't have questions about an american-born soccer player playing in the premier league you know i mean where's our trophy case full of world cup trophy like we don't have that so you know we've got a lot to prove from uh as a federation the manager these players coming together you know everybody's got a lot to prove here you know this is uh still in this country now this is still mostly an afterthought. You know, it's not like the whole country's gathered around the television coming up in a couple of days to watch the U S men's national team take on Wales. So, you know, they've got a lot to prove and, you know, it starts, uh, hopefully this is, this is the beginning of a very interesting run with the world cup in 2022. And then here on us soil in 26, when Landon Donovan leads the U S men's national team to the world cup title as manager, of course, or as player, <laughs> as manager as manager u.s men's national team manager landon donovan how about that how many jobs is he going to be linked to i don't know so i'm linked to the galaxy job people putting that out there on twitter don't do that i, I don't, don't like blame that. alexi lawless don't blame me i'm not putting it out Ale- there. oh alexi's list i saw alexi's list i'm pretty sure you made alexi's list i think i made alexi's list i'm yeah. pretty sure stanford actually made alexi's list pretty far you down know who's so. off uh, alexi's list everybody's list is uh piojo miguel herrera pulled his name out gonna stay in liga mx mm, gonna stay put all right um well good stuff with doug today um i hope we get those matches in but it looks like they will we'll see november 12th november so. 16th i hope so too yeah, I mean, because again, it's been players, a while. Because you get you get so excited, and then I, I have a friend who I chat about with soccer quite a bit, and I mean, I wouldn't call him just like a snob, but he's a little bit of a soccer snob, Darren. And so even he's like, "Oh, why is everyone so excited that we have like four, five guys in Champions League?" I'm like, "Well, it never happens. Like this is nine, very, nine. Well, yeah, yeah, nine. I mean, I'm I'm kind of giving you like the the conversation here." And it's like, well, this has never happened. This is new. Like, this is exciting. It's like, okay, but this is, like, very standard for every other country, like, competing country. Like, yeah, they have Champions League players all over. So, I get yeah. I get super excited, and then I run into those conversations every once in a while, and I'm reminded to kind of like, oh, all right, maybe I should temper it a little bit. Yeah, Literally. that's standard for every country except for this one. <laughs> so, right, not you know, this one. Like, yeah, it's this new one, for This us. is unusual. Yeah, and, you know, listen, I don't know how much room there is – for some of these MLS players, you know, do we see a Jordan Morris? Do we see, uh, uh, you know, Josie Altador at some point, you know, I suppose is Michael Bradley still going to make a comeback in 2022. <laughs> I don't know the answer, but you know, again, I, I sort of, for the first time I, I feel activated, you know, I feel like the U S men's national team fans are, are activated by some of what we've seen here, not just players who are sitting on some roster somewhere in Europe, 
But as Doug said, if you haven't seen this clip of Serginho Dest and Messi running an overlap play in a Champions League match, it was freaking exciting. I mean, it's like, whoa, like what happened here? For fuck's sake, Messi, can you finish that one at least? What a ball. I don't think it was Messi who ended up with the shot. I don't think so. Uh, I don't. Uh, I don't know. I think Pedri or somebody like that. I don't, I'm not oh sure. my bad. I, I yeah. misread the highlight. But I didn't you wouldn't be wrong. Just... Messi like doesn't score any uh, goals from open play, man. He hadn't had an open yeah. play goal. I just assumed he didn't score. Yeah. Well, um, so Pulisic is obviously going to be like my favorite player on the U.S. Men's National Team. I think you're going to have a little bit. Of, you're going to be favored towards Dest a little bit. If yeah. if Darren, I were to have a side piece, kind of like how you have Crystal Palace to your Barcelona, I think mm-hmm. my side piece would be Tyler Adams. Are you. you you hear his name a lot, and there's a lot of confidence with Tyler Adams. Um, not just I, the player, like Tyler Adams, the man. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Uh, I got a couple. I've got Weston McKinney, who I love. I know he's teammates with your boy Underpants. Underpants. Uh, but Tyler's a good one. Tyler's a real good one. I like West. I like Zach Steffen. I don't know that he's the number one. Maybe that's Ethan Horvath, but. I, I do have a couple of side pieces as well. You're right about Des, though. I love watching Des play. This is a yeah, weird conversation, a weird way to frame this conversation. All right. <laughs> if you don't like the conversation, we'll wrap it. All right, Darren, one other thing to get to before we get out of here on the podcast. Um, our good friend, family member of the pod, Tim Stoops, the Bundesliga report. Lots to talk about in the Bundesliga. Josh Sargent news. Here he is, Tim Stoops. Darren Jordan Veland Dunk. Here is your Bundesliga report. Question Eins. Is Bayern back in first place? Well, we'll get to change this question next week because Bayern is back in first place. They're level on points with Dortmund at the top, 15 each, but they have the advantage on goal differential. They beat Köln this weekend 2-1. Questions Vi. What did American Dream Gio Reyna do? In Dortmund's 2-0 win over Bielenfeld, Reyna was a late sub playing the final 15 minutes of the match and not really doing anything notable. If this podcast were across the pond, questions Vi might be, what did English wonder kid Jude Bellingham do? That 17-year-old played about a perfect box-to-box match that you'd want out of your midfielder, creating space, finding offensive chances, and just being a defensive force whenever Bielenfeld got the ball. Question Dry. What did other Americans do in the Bundesliga? We've got a goal! Josh Sargent scored his first of the season in Bremen's 1-1 draw with Frankfurt, and that was it for the Americans in the Bundesliga. And your Toyerkan tracker? It's still that Robert Lewandowski guy. He can take a week off and still lead the league in scoring. That's all for this week. Auf Wiedersehen! All right, the one and only Tim Stoops, the official Bundesliga correspondent of the Unnamed Soccer Podcast. Also this weekend in Germany, uh, Bayern Munich take on Dortmund, so definitely something to watch for there. And again, thank you to Doug McIntyre for joining us via Zoom from Montreal, from Canada. Good man, really, really dialed in with the U.S. men's national team. Lots of great insight there.